and welcome to the Sustainability Forward Podcast. I'm Antonia Banks-Graves, your host, and joining me today as the guest is Councilman Tyler Maxwell. Councilman Maxwell represents District 4, which encompasses East and Central Fresno. Welcome, Councilman Maxwell. Thank you for joining today's podcast to share with the listeners about some of the things that you are doing in Fresno and increasing sustainability in our city. Today's episode is about sustainability in the city of Fresno. Can you please tell us how long you've been a city councilman in District 4 with the city of Fresno? Sure. Good morning, Antonia. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's, it's awesome to be here talking to you. I'm, I'm relatively new in my role. I was actually elected March 3rd of 2020, but I wasn't sworn into office until a couple months ago in January. So I had almost a whole year transition period to get ready for the role, um, but I actually just started a couple months ago. Wow. It seems like you've been doing it forever. <laughs> it, it feels like it. Yeah, <laughs> it certainly does. Well, again, thank you for joining our show. Um, I wanted to segue into this next question, which is recently a major piece of legislation was passed, the Zero Fair Clean Air Act, which was championed by you. Please share your thoughts about the positive changes and that process that you went through to do this. Yeah, so um, like I said, you know, I'm relatively new on the scene here at City Hall, but, you know, I campaigned for a few years. I've worked at City Hall for a few years and, you know, attended numerous groups, um, clubs, nonprofits, community-based organizations, youth groups. I've knocked on tens of thousands of doors and just listened to all different sorts of people from all different walks of life. And, you know, several themes came up, you know, things people wanted to see in the city, um, uh, wanted less crime, wanted, you know, a solution to the homeless issue. But another thing that consistently came up was better access to transportation. And here in the city of Fresno, we have a bus department known as FACS, Fresno Area Express. Um, and we generally provide between 10 and 11 million rides a year. Um, so we know that a lot of people are taking the bus, but a lot of people also find it really inaccessible. And the reason for that is because almost 80% of our bus riders make less than $20,000 a year. We know that because we do a study every two years, um, comprehensive survey on our bus riders. And we know that a vast majority of our bus, bus riders are living in abject poverty. Um, and we also know um, separately from that fact that the largest producer of greenhouse gas emissions in the United States is transportation. A lot of people, single occupancy vehicles, right, driving from North Fresno to downtown to do work every day and then, you know, making that 12 commute uh, ride back home. So it adds up. And so this to me was both about um, economic and environmental um, equity. That's really kind of what it boiled down to making sure that, you know, the folks that have it, that have the least in our community are able to access transportation. Um, there's a lot of people that have to decide every day, you know, do I want to take my kids out to go eat? Do I want to take the bus to go see a family member across town? Do I want to go search for a job downtown? And they have to pick between one of those things because mm -hmm. they don't have enough money to do one things you and I take for granted, right? We'll knock all those things out in the afternoon 
if we wanted to. That's a real sacrifice that tens of thousands of families in Fresno make every day. And on the environmental side, just trying to get more people to ditch the car and to ride a bus. And whatever we can do to make that easier, including going zero fare, I'm for doing that. We never know unless we at least make the attempt and try. Absolutely, absolutely. I think, uh, what's the saying, you know, progress starts where our comfort level ends. And this pushed a lot of people's comfort level, right? Because what's that phrase? People always say, this is how we've always done this. Why would we change that? And, you know, I'm a young guy. Um, I have a lot of different views from a lot of people who have served in the seat before me. I'm here to shake things up a little bit and not to just do things the way that we've always done. I think it falls in the guise of sustainability, um, sustainable leadership is what you're bringing in. And so, I'm, I'm trying to, yeah. Well, that's great. Please share your thoughts about sustainable transportation for the city of Fresno and what would you like to see improved? Well, I think zero fare was a step in the right direction. Um, there's two populations that I think we could really do a better job at serving. Um, the first one is our disadvantaged community. Um, you know, the people making less than $20,000 a year. How do we break down those barriers and make transportation more accessible? Well, I think the Zero Fair Clean Air Act was a step in that direction for those folks. There's a whole other population though that we need to focus on too. And that's what I call discretionary riders, right? Those are folks maybe like, you or me who don't need to take the bus to get from point A to point B that maybe, you know, take their car to work and back every single day. How do we get those folks to start riding the bus more? Because it's not until we get them to make that change in their lives that we really start to see those environmental impacts. Um, and for me, that's going to look like two things. Number one, making the bus more attractive. So right now, um, you know, zero fare pass. The next thing I'm working on is making sure we get free Wi-Fi on all of our buses. Um, this has been an ask for from our youth community for a long time. And if we really want to attract young professionals or students or young people to ride the bus more, well, let's make it easier for them to use their laptops or their tablets on the way to school or on the way to work and do things like free Wi-Fi. Um, and then in addition to that, just, you know, finding more efficient ways that we could expand our bus route. Where are people going? Um, where are the hospitals? Where are the schools? How do we make it as easy as possible for people to not have to walk an hour and a half to get to the closest bus stop? Yeah. So that's going to be a big one. So free Wi-Fi um, and just more access points. Do you see the free Wi-Fi since you brought it up? Uh which is something that would be attractive to a lot of new riders. Do you see that happening uh, with maybe a year or two? Absolutely. Um, I'm going to make that a top priority of mine. We have, you know, the budget season coming up in April, May, when we're going to start having those discussions with the mayor's office and the city manager. And I've already uh, made it known that that is going to be a priority for me. So making sure that we see that free Wi-Fi on our buses within the next year. Wow, that's great. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. It'll be uphill battle, um, but it, you know, most things worth having are you know, something that's, you're gonna have to fight for, I'm coming to find. <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to mention, yeah. that you know, uh, a lot of times these things aren't easy. They're not meant to be, but they're meant to happen. Right. I agree, 
Yes. What are your thoughts about green spaces? So that's another thing that my office is really trying to lead the charge on. Um, I ran on a very pro parks platform. You know, I was a supporter of Measure P back in 2018, knocked on doors and distributed, you know, campaign materials for Measure P. And, you know, much to our dismay, we, we thought it had not passed in 2018 because it only got 53% of the vote. Mm -hmm. well, we saw this last year that the state uh, appellate court has found that it has in fact passed. And what that means for our city is $38 million a year, every year for 30 years for our parks. That's gonna be a huge opportunity um, to reinvest into our parks, which we know here in the city of Fresno, we have over $200 million in deferred maintenance to our existing parks. And it shows, right? If you go to a lot of parks, especially in central and south Fresno, you see that dilapidation, you see that conscious disinvestment into our green spaces and also that lack of green space and many of our most disadvantaged neighborhoods. So it's a lack of parks and it's a lack of investment into our current parks. And so I want to make sure that our office plays a strong role in being a steward of that Measure P money going forward and making sure that there's an equitable distribution of money being spent on parks throughout the city and the creation of new parks as well. Um, in my opinion, you know, parks are, are great as, you know, a place for, you know, just families to go visit. But to me, I mean, it's also a form of public safety. People, they scratch their heads when I say that, be like, what are you talking about? Well, we know that study after study shows that in neighborhoods that have easy access to a family park, mm -hmm. that the crime rate in those areas, especially the juvenile crime rate in those areas, is significantly lower than areas that don't have access to a public space, to a green space, to a playground. And so for me, this is a type of crime prevention. It really is. And those studies are accurate because they have, uh, the youth will have some place to go. Exactly. They're not getting into trouble. Out. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, and um, if that money can go and toward beautifying the parks and taking care of the deferred maintenance, there's right. a lot of that. Uh, you could attract more people there. And of course the crime rates can come down. Absolutely. And, and that's the hope, right? We want to make beautiful places for our families, but we know that parks are so much more than just a green space to go hang mm -hmm. out. It has longstanding, um, you know, impacts on crime, on, on health. Um, it has so, there's so many variables involved. That's awesome. Is there anything else you would like for the listeners to know about that you would like to share with us? <laughs> well, I, I don't know where to start on, on such an open-ended question. Um, you know, for, for, for the folks that might not know me, um, you know, I, I was raised in District 4. You know, I'm not, you know, just somebody who decided to, to move into the district. Um, you know, we had a pretty uh, rough childhood. You know, there was a lot of substance abuse in the family, and we did a lot of moving around. Um, and eventually, you know, lived with family and relatives and friends until I was in high school. I thought I would be lucky to just graduate um, high school. You know, neither of my parents went to college. Um, had a teacher that really put her 
neck out on the line for me. I think somebody who had been through a lot of the same things I had been through, right, and kind of recognized mm -hmm. that. And, you know, she really pushed me to take those SATs and the ACT. She paid for my college applications, and I was lucky enough to get a full ride to UC Berkeley. Um, and, you know, I didn't even know what a UC college was going into uh, my senior year of high school, but it was really a transformational moment. Um, you know, I moved out of Fresno, never intended to ever return, like so many people who leave Fresno, right? Um, yes. <laughs> right. But, you know, eventually we all do. There's something about Fresno that brings us back. And I came back in 2016 and uh, really just saw so many opportunities for change, especially when I went back to my old neighborhood where I grew up in District 4. And I had saw, you know, when my grandparents moved there into East Central Fresno, that wasn't East Central Fresno 40 years ago, that was North Fresno. Mm -hmm. But our city has a propensity to build further and further north, build further and further east. And that's usually at the expense of the folks living in the inner city, because um, those resources are being stretched even more thinly. And yeah, I saw that happening. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Go ahead. I was going to mention the forgotten Fresno. Uh, exactly. Depicted as forgotten Fresno. Yeah, that west of 99, you know, those folks have been feeling it for a really long time. Central and South Fresno, you know, they saw that happen, you know, decades ago, you know. Um, and I think the interesting thing about District 4 is that they were seeing it happen in real time. They were seeing their streets start to look like you know, you know, the streets, you know, south of Ventura, like that yeah. neighborhood had seen that happen already. And it was creeping up to District 4 and they were seeing it in real time. And, you know, it was our streets, it was our parks, it was the public safety. Um, and, and that's kind of what gave me the drive to throw my hat into the race. And, you know, not wanting to see that happen to the neighborhood I grew up in, trying to really think of ways to be sustainable, whether it comes to our parks, whether it comes to our air quality and making sure that, you know, when I have kids, um, you know, District 4 remains remains a good place to live, remains a good place to do things. A desirable place to live. Yes, exactly. Not well, something but, that's in the past. There's um, a quote that resonated when um, I read your bio and I thought, oh, I'm going to read this. Um, before ending, which is, uh, we could sit back and do nothing and watch our planet be destroyed, or we can take action and become advocates and start making lifestyle choices, which are kinder to people and the planet. And that's what you're doing uh, for the, our city right now, um, Councilman. And so I wanted to point that out. And in closing, uh, commend you again for advocating for the Zero Fair Clean Air Act and um, certainly looking forward to more of um, the shaking up that you're doing in the right, right. direction <laughs> um, will be appreciated. And um, just say, just keep on, you have the support. Well, thank you. And thank you for letting me, you know, share my, you know, kind of my vision. Um, I'm really excited and, you know, I appreciate folks like you also doing good work in the community, right? And, you know, amplifying um, some of the efforts here at City Hall. So I appreciate you having me on, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I would like to tell our listeners today's episode 
was sponsored by Elite Organizational Consulting.